0: Welcome to the Jerusalem Lights podcast with Rabbi Chaim Richmond, whose goal is Torah for everyone. I'm your co-host Jim Long, and now Rabbi Richmond. Shalom, Rabbi. Shalom, Jim, and shalom to all our wonderful listeners. How are you? I'm doing very well, and j- just for folks who don't realize that uh, how we're, we're doing this technically, we are uh, 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 practicing social distancing. I'm here in the Ozarks in Mid America, and you are in the beautiful holy city of Jerusalem. So we're we're staying healthy, we're staying fine, and uh, thank goodness, as you pointed out, it doesn't. Uh, we don't have to wear a mask being this far. I, apart. S- I so would like to shake your hand, Jim. I so would like to. I would like to, to shake your hand, and God willing, we'll be able to very soon. I notice things are going
1: back to normal in in uh, your home town Here, here in israel we are we are slowly getting back to some degree of normalcy there are there are more people going back to work and there are larger gatherings that are being allowed the social distance rules are still in place but doors are opening, and um, slowly, slowly, things seem to be getting back to uh, to some level. Uh, most of the kids are still not back in school, so so the economy is not going to get really back kicking until everybody is able to go to work. But slowly, slowly, things 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 are looking up, and thank God we have uh, fewer new infections. Our numbers are looking good. How is it? How is the overall situation in America?
0: Um, it could be better. Uh, if you've, if you've been watching the news, the, the urban areas, especially in the Northeast, of course, are, are still, uh, dealing with, with higher numbers, uh, as as you come out west, uh, our way here in Arkansas and, and Oklahoma, and then back over to to L.A. and the Northeast part of the of the U.S., I, I guess it's because it's the wide open spaces. People are getting out there, enjoying the sunshine, and uh, it's it's proving that sunshine really is is good for battling the. The COVID nineteen virus, and we, you, and I, before we began the podcast, were talking about God willing, uh, the opportunity for you to get on a plane again. And they, I, I noticed yesterday, the a couple of the airlines that uh, we usually take to fly overseas, they're going to allow it. And there's one silver lining around what they're how they're going to implement flying in this this new normal. The, the dreaded middle seat will be off limits. <laughs> that, that's the good news. Nobody wants the middle seat ever. And this is, thank, you know, this is one of those little silver linings around the time that we're living in. So um, I know that you have some trips planned. Uh, uh, God willing, best of all
1: Hashem in the, in the near future. I generally come to the States for a um, teaching tour uh, twice a year in the spring and mm-hmm. in the fall or in the early summer or, or um, early winter. And um that's a good question when when will um, Israel reinstate um, uh, international travel? I mean there are really I think one or two flights a day that are going back and forth between Tel Aviv and and uh, New York, but um, at this point any it's, at this point it's only for Israelis because the border is basically closed to non-residents in the inter, for the interim and also mm-hmm. uh, Israelis that are returning have to self-quarantine for uh, two weeks. I think actually they, they have to go to a, to a quarantine hotel from the Ministry of Health. So it's, it's quite a, um, a difficult situation still. And then also, you know, we, we have to think about really the safety involved of sitting on the plane and the recycled air and, and uh, the whole deal. So hopefully things will continue to progress, God willing, and uh, we'll have some sort of a of an indication some sort of a green light when the international travel will be um, in favor once more, and hopefully hopefully in the not too distant future well, you know, looking over
0: uh the the torah portion this week um of course two things stood out one is not the is the parsha itself but um the the interesting aspect of celebrating a second passover a second pesach and you'll be doing that this this will fall again on on shabbat won't it friday Friday this week friday yeah um, it's, what is it um, you no know, why is this shabbat this second uh, passover uh, th- this occurred, what, the, the,
1: the year following the first one? Correct. So this, so this Friday, which is the uh, 8th of May, is called Pesach Shenei. Um What is that all about? It's actually something that we read about in the book of Numbers in chapter 9. I'll just open it up here. It's in Parashat Baalotcha, And we read in um, verse 6. There were men who had been contaminated by a human corpse and could not make the Pesach offering on that day. So they approached Moshe and Aaron on that day. Those men said to him, we are contaminated through a human corpse. Why should we be diminished by not offering Hashem's offering in its appointed time among the children of Israel? So this was a group of people. It's it's rather, rather mysterious the whole way the subject Mm -hmm. is is introduced here in, in the book of Numbers. Moshe said to them, stand and I'll hear what Hashem will command you. So then Hashem spoke to Moshe, giving over a whole new concept of the Torah, a whole new ordinance, speak to the children of Israel, saying, and all these rules regarding a person who had been unable to bring the Passover offering in its proper time, which is the 14th of Nisan, a month earlier, because of some sort of tumah, contamination, which is a concept that we spoke about um, at great length in uh, the past few several uh, Torah portions, the concept that's normally translated as impurity, but of course refers to some sort of spiritual imbalance. And he can make the Passover offering um, in the second month on the 14th day, which is this Friday, and to make it with matzot and bitter herbs and many of the laws that pertain to the Passover in its time, with the exception of uh, ownership of chametz and and other details. But the idea is this. This This is unprecedented. And it is a very, very amazing breakthrough, as it were, in, in Torah, in the Torah mindset, what this whole thing is all about. I mean, I mean, the idea is this: there were some people that for through no fault of their own had been had been exposed to a human corpse, which is considered to be something that renders all those who come in contact with it, right? Which which we call mm-hmm pure but again we know it's not a physical thing and they were so um motivated they were so they felt so bad that they were left out of the passover offering because the passover offering on the 14th of nisan nice has to be brought in a state in a state of total purity so because they were not able to bring it they came to motion i said wait maybe there's some sort of some sort of uh, allowance for us maybe maybe we could bring it anyway so there's so many questions here. One is why didn't Moshe know the answer? Why wasn't it thought of before? The other question is why was it so important to them? I mean, we don't hear this kind of thing about any other commandment that was not done at its proper time. That there that there is a a second way of doing it. You know that there's a runner-up prize. That there's a, a, yeah. a that there's a um, a plan B. And and uh, and also, if if this was actually to become part of Torah law. Why did Hashem wait until now to, to make this clarification, to make this announcement? So, so the whole thing is just really so, so amazing. And, and the bottom line is that these men were either, uh, occupied with the, uh, the bones of Joseph, or perhaps they were the men who were, uh, responsible for, um, uh, taking the bodies of our own sons who had been killed uh, yeah. out of out of the sacred area there's a question they about exactly exactly what their source of their impurity was it ma- it matters not but there are actually very interesting questions about, about what the cause was so they come forth and they express this desire to bring the passover offering this this is very telling about the whole uh, essence of what the Passover offering is all about, because it's not, it's really not just another offering or just another mitzvah. Of course, all of Hashem's commandments are sacred and all very, very important. And they all uplift us all and they all fill their purpose in, in bringing light into our lives and and Hashem's light into the world. But there's something about the Passover, and we've discussed this in its proper time. This is the second Passover, we discussed it in its proper time. and And that is that the Passover is like the the ultimate seal of identity of the people of Israel. And the reason for that, the reason for that is because of all of the Torah that we shared at that time about what the Passover represents, that it represents the very, the very, um, Definition of Israelite identity, which is to destroy idolatry, which is to rise up and make this statement, this to, make, to, to 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 issue issue this call about the oneness of Hashem. Everything that the Passover offering represents is the is the um, you know the sanctification of Hashem's name, the oneness of Hashem, the anti-idolatry stance, the slaughtering of idolatry stance and the whole concept of of the of the freedom that it that it brings about by bringing a person out of the fetters and shackles of the slave mentality and the idolatrous consciousness Every, everything about the passover offering that's what makes it an eternal an eternal covenant it's forever this is like so such an intimate um a rendezvous with god you know the the right. the um the passover offering that that to the extent that it could be actually understood as being The national circumcision of the people of Israel, and and that's why circumcision and Passover offering are similar. They are. Would you also liken it
0: to the beginning? They they recognize it was a beginning of a literally of a new age on the planet. Right. I mean, it's it's that momentous. I was only likening it to the emotional aspect of someone who wasn't there when when the beginning of a very important. But I I didn't mean to to. uh,
1: diminish oh and i haven't and i don't mean to diminish the declaration of independence <laughs> but but okay, here, the here's thing. the thing jim this unbelievable thing here is that is that um the passover offering is so totally powerful and and representative of what the jew is supposed to be in this world that they You know, we're involved in everything else on time. They're doing everything, but they, but they said, "Isn't there some exception that can be made so that we can't be, so that we're not left out of that?" The the phrase that they use is so is so amazing. Why should we be diminished? Why should we be diminished? Not, not to be able to offer it. And then, for Moshe, who is like the paragon of humility and and uh, you know, so self-effacing, to say, "I don't know," "I don't know." the ruling here. Hashem did not tell me what happens in the circumstances when someone did not bring the Passover and it was through no fault of his own. I'm going to ask him. I'm going to ask him. So Hashem, so Moshe says, stand and I will hear what Hashem will command you. So because of these, of this group of people, uh, an entirely new halacha was introduced and initiated and so one of the most beautiful things about this concept which you really have to open up your heart in the deepest for because it's so amazing is that is that this i mean i hope you're hearing me because this is an amazing thing this was torah from the bottom up now this this was like the evolution of torah the, the 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 shining forth of a principle of torah from the mouth of hashem coming from a lower arousal because because they they asked and so so Moshe says let me find let me go find out for you and then Hashem came back and he said basically said yeah that's that's a very very good idea and then but he gave that, over that, all that, these rules here right right he gave, that's a very good
0: idea that, doesn't that conversely show you that God re- regarded whatever they were doing which which had to be with these people being around uh, people who had passed away and the defilement it brings. Which is again, i'm I'm falling prey to that word again, the the um uh, the the fact that that having to having
1: to accompany uh, a person who has passed away to care for about a person, to give the to give the respect to a person, person and properly attend to to a body, right?
0: It's such a huge mitzvah to take care of, of those who've passed away. And and I think God is saying to them, you have done something so worthy that it's not that you should not have to suffer because of that. And plus the fact, aren't all of the mitzvot supposed to be observed with joy?
1: This is part of why of why a person who is in that state of tuma of tuma temet, of having been exposed to death, is not to bring the peso offering in time. But, yeah. let, but let me backtrack. After I want, I'm, I want to make a couple of points, and then I'm going to backtrack to the whole concept of death, because that's at the very beginning of our Torah portion this week, a parasha that more oh, which we exactly. haven't even begun to discuss yet. Because now all of a sudden we skip to, to chapter nine of of, Balut ha, of the Book of Numbers to talk about Pesachini. But but the thing that strikes that strikes one the most about this whole dynamic of the Second Passover is that I mean Hashem Hashem knew that eventually He would give this new halacha of which again has no parallel whatsoever anywhere in the torah no parallel whatsoever to what's what's happening this friday the opportunity for the second passover is it has no parallel anywhere in the torah to the opportunity to to, to do something of the of the magnitude of the Passover offering, which all the offerings in the temple, I mean, they all have a very specific time. And if you didn't bring it on time, it is invalid. It can't be brought again. And all of a sudden Hashem says, oh, but when it comes to the Passover, under these circumstances, you could bring it a month later on the same day. And, and again, he, he, he didn't let anybody know this in the beginning. He waited for this lower arousal, this for this, for this human initiative. And so the, the beautiful idea is that it's like Hashem is saying, like, I was waiting for you to ask. I was waiting mm. for you to ask, but now let me tell you why this is so beautiful—the most beautiful thing you ever heard in your life. Open up your heart in the deepest way. Now I'll tell you why this is so beautiful, because what Passover—what re- Passover Sheni, Pesach Sheni—the second Passover really is—it's the holiday of second chances. Yeah, it's the holiday right. of second chances, and I'll and I'll tell you exactly on a very deep level what that means. But it's but first of all to start with, it's like Hashem is basically saying. If you, I'll give you a second chance. And who doesn't want a second chance? Everybody wants a second chance. It says this is much more than just about bringing the Passover offering. This is a concept of Hashem always giving a person a second chance. But what did we see from here? The way that it happened? You have to ask for it. See, Hashem Hashem wants it to be your idea. So when these men came forward and they, through their own initiative, said, what's the, the deal with us? Moshe said, I don't know. I'm going to find out for you. And Hashem says, oh. Oh, very, very good! I'm so glad you asked. Okay, so, but what's the deeper level? The deeper, the deeper level is that we have a, a verse in back in Parashat B'Shalach in the Book of Exodus when the children of Israel exited from Egypt and they go through the sea and they have that whole experience of of uh, so at the end of the Torah portion, they are attacked by Amalek. At mm-hmm. the end of the Torah portion of Bishalach, at the end of chapter 17 of the book of Exodus, they are attacked by Amalek. And um, it says, Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rifidim. And that's when Moshe told Yahushua, choose for us people, go out and fight with him. That's when he went up and held up his arms, right? Guess what? Between the lines, this is not in the verse. This is our our sages tell us that that took place on this day, on the 14th of ER. Mm-hmm. Open up your heart. This is so deep. That's the day that they attacked Jim. That's the day that Amalek came and attacked. You know why? Because that day, what it what it resonates, what it broadcasts, the frequency that it that it reverberates is that you could have a second chance and that's exactly the opposite of what amalek represents because amalek which is the gematria the numerical value of the word amalek is the numerical value of the word safek which means doubt cuz cuz on on this deep level the thing about amalek is that they don't care like about killing you they don't care about like they just want you to to not be sure that Hashem is with you they want they want to they want to instill this feeling of like vagary and doubt and instability and a lack of self-confidence and security. And and that's enough to topple a person, to cripple a person. And so they came on that day because that day is the day that radiates this tremendous energy of, Hashem will always give you a second chance. So that's what's happening this this Friday, the 14th of Iyar, is the day in the prehistory of Parshat B'Shalach, of... of um, after we we left Egypt and crossed the sea, that Amalek came to attack on Rafidim on that very day. So, as you know, this year we were not able to bring the Passover offering. And once again, there were there there, is, there are movements, there are people that actually approach the Supreme Court and and actually um, try try to um, make a, make a legal case to for the Jewish people to be able to bring the Passover offering on the 14th of Nisan, because it's something that is disallowed at this point politically. The only place that it can be brought is on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, on the place of the altar, in the place of the Holy Temple. And so the powers that be have not yet given permission for the Jewish people to bring the Passover offering under their current geopolitical circumstances. And um, here we have again the 14th of Iyar, the second Passover um and who knows again it's, it, it, the the entire community of Israel is obligated to bring the passover offering and it is our hope that we will be able to to do that because it is an eternal ordinance and it, and it is representative of the of the entire identity of the Jewish people so whether, well, I, whether or not we're bringing the passover offering this yeah. this 14th of er uh, the important thing is to know what it means and what it means in Hashem's eyes. The important thing is to know that one day we will. The important thing is to know that Hashem gives a person a second chance, and and uh, Amalek, that spirit does not want us to believe that, does not want us to to remember that, or to or to be hopeful about a second chance. And and again, to me, the most beautiful thing about this whole idea is that Hashem was waiting. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I'll give you a second chance, but you have to ask for it. You have to ask for it. And then Hashem said, yes, it's a very very good thing that they're asking for.
0: Well, you can see there's a very obvious connection uh, between uh, what's going on here in the world and and especially in in Eretz Israel to what you just said. There's the obvious connection that that, uh, we can look at the whole COVID-19 phenomena as uh, punishment or as you just so uh, pointed out, it's, uh, it's a second chance. We can look at it as a second chance to, to, to reboot, to, to get rid of the things in our lives that, that have no value. That, that uh, And goodness sakes, we know there's so much in the world today that has no value that people are embracing it as if it did have value. And uh, as you pointed out earlier uh, it's so remarkable that here you're, you're getting ready to celebrate um, the this, this second Passover because of a group of people who uh, could not because of uh, the Tumah situation. Here we, we begin the Torah Parsha and more with the very same situation, talking to the priesthood. And the thing that I want to bring up that is so interesting to me is that it's been obvious to those that have been following in their their, their Torah and been listening to the podcast that that specifically we've been dealing with the, the Kohanim, the priesthood, and this aspect of what it takes to be uh a Kohain and what it takes for the uh the, the the koan Gadol, the priest, to meet all these specifications to live, uh, so that they can they can be in a place where they are unquestioned in their more their morality and in their conduct and their daily lives, and I, I would like for you to explain to our listeners that uh, uh, priest is not really a great. It's okay but to do you yeah, think the, of word? Them as the yeah the word I mean the Kohenim are really more than just uh for for one of a better phrase they're more than just a holy man they they have a multifaceted these these people are what we would today almost call polymaths um explain the the role that there is more than just being a a kind of uh you know uh again to, to default to the lesser uh word ho- holy man a, a priest they are what are they really they're they're in, they're actually uh, ministering to people in
1: every aspect of their life I, I think priest is a pretty a pretty bad um translation the, um the Kohanim, who are of course uh, descendants of Aaron, they're the, literally the lineal descendants of of aaron as as opposed to the Levites who are the lineal descendants of Moshe. Mm-hmm. The priests are are nothing less than the the channel of bringing Hashem's blessing into the world. Everything that they do is about being a conduit to right. bring Hashem's light into the world. And of course, a great deal of that is focused on the service in the temple, which is which is so powerful and and, and which is such a a. Um, a catalyst of of blessing in the world, but they're they're the original rabbis, the Kohanim are the original teachers of the people of Israel, and their function is to really be almost like like a channel to bring Hashem yeah. blessing in the world. I mean, every day they actually bless the people in the in the Holy Temple, and we have a, a remnant of that today in our daily service, where we have the priestly blessing, which is done in Israel every single day during the uh, the service in the synagogue and the diaspora it's only done on the festivals but yeah but 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 the thing is they they are they are literally like a like a like a pipeline that brings this blessing into the world they were they were chosen because of the attributes of Aaron i mean it, all during these days of the counting of the omer we're we're talking a lot about character traits about attributes about about um, personality development you know and and Aaron was a very special person and his character traits were were uh they made a cosmic imprint in terms of of his tremendous love of other people and his tremendous desire to to uh, bring people together to to facilitate peace and harmony between people and that that is like considered to be like the trademark of the kohanim whose whose overwhelming quality is chesed is kindness right. so so they are really Uh, bringing about this state of tremendous balance in the world. And and the interesting thing is, if you recall, in Parshat Yitro, in the Torah section of of Yitro, uh, which is where we have the Sinai revelation. So as the people of Israel are preparing for receiving the Torah, um, in chapter 19, Hashem says, and now, if you hearken well to me and observe in my, and observe my confidence, you shall be to me the most beloved treasure of all peoples. For mine is the entire world. You shall be for me a kingdom of Kohanim and a holy nation. So, in a way, it's it's kind of like working backwards. But in a way, that verse is very telling to define what Kohanim are, because right. because if Israel is told to be a kingdom of Kohanim, so basically the idea is that what the Kohanim are to Israel. Israel is supposed exactly. to be to the whole world. To the world. So Israel exactly. is the Kohen to the world. So just as the Kohen literally brings the Shefa, the, uh, the abundance, the, the influx of divine blessing into the world through everything that he's doing, through every move that he makes in the temple and through his imparting Torah to the, the compassion and the wisdom of Torah to the nation. That's what Israel is supposed to do to the, to the whole world. Right.
0: Well, but it's, it's their their purview is broader than I mean, everything they do, the it 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 originates in Torah. But it's it's uh, aren't they like a collection of 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 scholars who deal in medicine and science and ethics and aren't they all of those things to the people? I mean, we we look at the the people going to the to, to the kohen when they have a medical problem.
1: And well, specifically, we learned in the parshiot of Tazriya Metzora that when it comes right. to the Nega tzarat, when it comes to the to the to the lesion of zarat. Which we learned we must not translate as leprosy. It's the kohen who gives the diagnosis, and it's the yeah. kohen who actually declares it to be tzara. And if he does not declare that, if he does not utter those words with his lips, then there is no quarantine, and there is and it's not tzara. In other words, he actually defines it and actually gives it its re, its reality. But that just shows. That he's not like any other sort of doctor or scholar or scientist. His right. he, because everything that he is that he is uh, involved in, he's bringing he's bringing it to fruition from its spiritual re- essence. He is mm-hmm. he is a soul doctor. That's how I define him. He's a soul doctor because he is he sees on a different level and he is relating to the reality of Hashem in the world which frankly is something that we don't see it's obscured and that, and that takes me to the beginning of the parsha if i may because because what's really interesting here is that you know and this is basically i, I don't know if you if you noticed it or listeners noticed it but this torah portion parshat amor which begins in chapter 21 of of Vayikra, Leviticus is basically the last torah portion that's going to be dealing with all the laws that we've been learning until now regarding the Holy Temple, the Mishkan, the Mikdash, and the Kohanim. Because after this point already, we're going to have uh, a different uh, situation altogether in the last two Torah portions. Um, and uh, it's, it, it's, 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 totally uh, a different, um, a different thing. So here we're talking after, ha- after we've learned so much about the service of the Holy Temple. Now in our parsha of Emor this week, we are, we are coming back to the perspective of the Kohanim, the Kohen Gadol and the other Kohanim, the laws that affect them, their lifestyle, what's expected of them, the, 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 the way that they have to conduct themselves. It's different from everyone else, they, who they marry there are women that other Israelites can marry that they cannot. And, and they, they have to have a certain appearance. They have to have a certain physical appearance in order to be able to do their job. Why is that? And one of the, first of all, one of the most striking things, of course, relating to um, the Kohanim, which we've been touching upon because we were talking about Sheni and the fact that those men were contaminated to death. And that's why they couldn't bring the, the Passover offering in its appointed time, which is the 14th of Nisan. The Kohanim are not allowed to expose themselves to death, just as a an Israelite as well who comes to the Holy Temple may not come into the sacred part of the courtyard if he is if he if he has not been um, if if his spiritual balance has not been restored through the process of the red heifer that we learn about in Numbers nineteen. But but more than that, a, a step above that is that the Kohanim are never allowed to contaminate themselves to death. Now now the ordinary Kohanim are allowed to contaminate themselves, to expose themselves to the first level relatives. But the Kohen Gadol cannot even do that. The Kohen the Kohen Gadol cannot the the the, the high priest cannot expose himself to death even for his father or mother. Why is that? Why is that? So again, it's a state of mind, isn't it? Exactly, but and and the unfortunate thing for so many sincere people that wish that wish to study the Torah, but that have that have inherited or that have been that have been uh, that have been implanted, you know, that's been foisted upon them this alien view of things, this this non-Jewish view of things, is that that is that it has to do with some sort of cleanliness, or it has to do. With something else altogether, but what what it's really all about is that the Torah is here uh, giving us the truth about what the whole deal with death is really all about. What it what it what it is, how it affects us, and why the Kohanim are not allowed to pay any attention to it at all is that is it. it the more that we get into this, of course, we discuss this a great deal whenever we talk about the red heifer, the Paraduma, Duma, whose headquarters is Numbers chapter 19. We talk about the whole idea that the Kohanim are never allowed to expose themselves to death. And, and the reason for that is goes back to the way we define them as conduits, as channelers of divine light and blessing into the world. Because the thing is that no matter how much we believe in Hashem, no matter how much we believe in all the tenets of the Torah, we believe in hereafter, we believe in Olam Haba and the world to come, we believe in Tchirat and the resurrection, the fact is we're still very limited people, And that is the human condition. The human human condition is that we become subject to this uh, very morbid outlook of life and death. And no matter who you are, no matter who you are, if you're a human being, to some extent... You go into a tailspin when it comes to dealing with death of a close relative right. and and our and accompanying our own death because we invariably some part of us does consider that to be the end. And, yeah. it's, and it's and it's morbid and it's depressing and it's and it's debilitating. And also, it's an illusion. and this is this is such an incredible Torah concept. It is It is one of the most beautiful, beautiful revelations of what the Torah teaches us. And we really need to study it. And we really need to study the sources that really talk in detail about this concept. And we need to work on ourselves. It's a lifetime. It's a lifetime to prepare for what we need to know and feel when the time comes, because yes, life is sacred. We are not looking forward to dying. We are here To serve Hashem and Hashem loves this world and so do we. But there's nothing to be afraid of as far as death is concerned. First of all, it's going to happen. I used to have Mm -hmm. a teacher who used to say that everybody says, you know, that's like a club and I'm not a member, you know, like it's not going to happen to me because people have a certain kind of survivor's mentality, you know, like that, it's not, not going to happen. But the fact is it definitely, definitely is. There's no question about it. You might not even have to pay taxes, but this is definitely going to have to happen. But, but the thing is, If we believe in the immortality of the soul, we believe that uh, that the soul is enriched by living in this world and making the proper decisions that we make, making the proper choices that we make, choosing to do good, that soul is enriched and goes and becomes part of the whole, again, closest to Hashem. And, And the deepest revelation of Torah views death as a graduation to a new level of existence. To a new level of existence, now, it, it takes a, a very, very um, rarefied mindset to always keep that in mind, and so you know, let's say the the average person, we we work on that, and we and we and we deal with it, and we contemplate it, we engage with it as as best as possible. Then again, unfortunately, God forbid, when the time comes, we're hit with the reality of a loved one passing away, and it is debilitating. It is debilitating, but. The idea is as debilitating as it is. It's it isn't real. It isn't real. But this is just we are subject to this to this um, uh, mental state, and 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 it's not. And there's no way to avoid it. That's why the wisdom of Torah sages instituted the whole concept of mourning and the whole idea of sitting for seven days called shiva which literally means seven and the whole idea which many people don't understand what is that all about the jewish ritual of mourning is all about externalizing and 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 and, and closing the circle you know you know, you, you come to a home where people are sitting in mourning and and some people think that you're supposed to talk about anything else to get the person's mind off of it. You're supposed to talk about the ball game or something like that. And they don't understand that actually that's exactly what you're not supposed to do. You're supposed to give the mourner an opportunity to talk about his loss and for him to be able to, to deal with it. And That's only on one. It level. brings what we call closure. Yeah, exactly. In, in modern terms. And on, on a deeper level, it's also a certain kind of of process that the soul of the departed is going through, a, a seven day process, a thirty day process, an eleven day process, and the, and the close relative of the mourner identifies with that and is, is and is also attached to that and is also doing his best to help mm-hmm. that soul to elevate. But but the idea is this, and here's the bottom line: the kohanim are a cut above everyone else, and because of their position that they are responsible for bringing Hashem's light into the world, to the nation, and from there to the whole world. And here's the whole deal. They are not allowed to pay attention to the illusion. They're not allowed to give it any credence at all. It's no, Mm -hmm. no. And I, I always like to say the line from The Wizard of Oz, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, because it's not real. Don't pay any attention to it. They, they are not allowed to expose themselves even for a moment to that mentality, that, that morbid, debilitating illusion, which is what death is, because it is only an illusion, because the, the body is not us. It's not us. So, yes, the, when the body is gone, the, the person still goes on to a different level. And so and so, the bottom line is, and, 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 and this is really what it all boils down to, who are the Kohanim? they are ministering to the Shekhinah. the Shekhinah, the divine presence is eternal life if you want to be in the eternal in the place of eternal life you have to distance yourself from death right. because death is a lie and and the eternal life is is true and therefore even the the Israelites, everyone, even just the average person who comes to the Holy Temple must be pure from having been exposed to death. But when it comes to the Kohanim, who, who this is their job full time, they are never allowed to be involved in that whole, that whole uh, human merry-go-round that is our perception of of life and death, because Hashem is saying it's it's a fallacy. It's not it's not what it looks like. It's not what it looks like. I promise you, He's saying that's not it's it. The,
0: it's the ultimate. It's it's the ultimate lesson in uh, uh, you're not giving way to your heart, but letting your the 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 logic that Hashem gave you to to say you know the what what happened. The world tells you that just give in to your emotions. You know, it, it always you know in every movie and every song, it's it's always about following your heart. Right. But 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 the 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 Kohanim, they are required to pass that test of not of not falling prey to the lies that their heart wants to tell them that it's all over now. That they are to overcome that, and I I love the way you express that because. Because uh, th- this is what Israel is supposed to do. They're supposed to show the world that, uh, that, that basically you are um, – the idea is when you're in the fallen realm, you are constantly – your soul is constantly being affected by your physical aspect when you're in the fallen state – and when you elevate, when you become what you're supposed to become, whether you're from Israel or from from the uh, the other nations that uh, that you are you are supposed to reject that idea of external forces. um Damaging your soul. Your soul is supposed to lead you in your in the physical aspect of the world, right? Well, it's like this whole time of the
1: counting of the Omer, all the work that we're doing on character development and on our midot, our attributes. Uh, one of the major themes that we've been talking about for so many weeks is the synthesis of Chesed and Gvura, the synthesis mm-hmm. of loving kindness and harshness. And and by the way, Hashem, according to Midrash. Uh, used both attributes to create the world. There is there is a balance of that's teferit. The teferit balance of harmony is between the the strictness of gvura, of din of harsh judgment and the compassion of chesed. And and um, as opposed to let, to letting yourself be led by your emotions. Many people right. just say, well, this is who, this is how I am. What what do you want from me? You know, this is who I am. Right. This is this is my upper... That's how I feel. This is how I feel, man. Right. So it must be it must be real because I'm feeling it. Right. But so the Torah is teaching us is that that's not an excuse because emotions are very, very important. And they really are a window to our soul, and they are very powerful. But we have to be in the driver's seat, and we have to know how to channel them to emulate Hashem. That's what they are. They're, they're a window, all right, but they're a window of, of who Hashem is, because this is how Hashem relates to creation in a way that we can understand. And so, Isn't this what God told, uh, Told. Um,
0: um, uh, suddenly I've gone blank? Um the <laughs> this is terrible. The brothers in Ghan Edin. Exactly. Um uh, Cain and A. Um exactly. Cain and A. This is what God told Cain. Yes. You can
1: harness this. Why are you all this oh, your feet? If you do good. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Those verses exactly that you're thinking of. Exactly. And and, and so we, we are basically commanded to seize the moment to seize ourselves and to channel every aspect of our personality to good and to train ourselves how to how to work on our our makeup our on the on the whole mixed bag of who we are and to try and and uh departmentalize and organize our our feelings so that they actually are vessels that we can use for positivity rather than that use us and that we become just haphazard, and and we become just creatures of impulse, and and uh, that we're kind of just like reactionary all the time. And instead of reacting, we're we're actually supposed to act.
0: Okay, this would all of this would seem to contradict, and I know it doesn't because the Torah does not contradict itself. <clears throat> but this parsha, when Hashem speaks to uh, the Kohanim. And, and Moshe ministers to them and says, okay, you've got to do this and this and this, suddenly the, the Kohanim are uh, the, the, the specks, if you will, for being a Kohen. You, there are, it brings in the idea of blemishes being a problem. Right. And this would seem to be contradictory to what we've just been talking about. I know it's not. Well, in what way would it be contradictory? I mean, it's like well, the the idea that that here we're talking about how important the uh, the soul is and the internal and the uh, suddenly Hashem seems to, and I I want to underscore the word see, it appears that Hashem suddenly is concerned with something uh, superficial that. that Superficial,
1: exactly. Right. and a lot of Thank a you. lot of people go on that on that um, route. and um and that in itself is actually a superficial way of looking at Hashem's looking at something because actually, uh, f- first of all, the what goes on in the Holy temple is all about Hashem. And so one one level of meaning, I think, which is a simple way of looking at it is that, Everything has to be extremely uniform, consistent, and streamlined. Nobody's, and nobody ever said here that these people are less worthy, that they uh, d- deserve less, or that, there's, that or there, there is some sort of negativity associated with them. All, the, all that Hashem is saying is, I don't want them serving before me. And one reason, I think, is because it would be a distraction. Because right. everybody would be looking at them as opposed to, uh, to, to internalizing what, what the moment is really all about. And it's not supposed to be about anyone or anything other than what Hashem is trying to accomplish through the service in the temple. And the other thing is, frankly, on a, on a deeper level, may, maybe these people, maybe there's nothing wrong with them. Maybe they're too good. Maybe maybe they are people on a on a very high level, and that's why Hashem says that he that they can't serve. Maybe because they they of everything that they go through because of their physical situation. Maybe for that reason Hashem says that you know this is not going to be the proper balance. Whatever the reason is, Hashem is saying that the Kohanim have to have a certain kind of of um, appearance and a, and and subject to all of these rules. And these are the people that I want. Performing uh, the service, and by the way, the Kohanim that are disqualified because of disqualifying blemishes have other jobs in the Holy Temple. They're just not going to be the ones that are attending to the service of the Korbanot, but they have other jobs as well.
0: Well, isn't aren't are uh, blemishes really in in a, a very subtle way for Hashem to say that that the reason there are even blemishes in the world is is not because it was part of my plan for you. It is blem- uh, blemishes and, and things like this are a result of
1: living in a material world. And every every case or is, is that different. Even, I mean, every every case is yeah. different. We can't we can't know uh, the particulars of a, of a particular person. Uh, but but I, I think the main idea here is that you know, in in giving over the spirit of what is supposed to be going on in the holy temple, Hashem, Hashem is making a certain kind of standard. And the exceptions to that rule are not, are, are not being dissed because of anything untoward about them or something else. It's just that there, there is the, this is the standard of how he wants the service to be conducted for the, the, the reason of it um, entering into the, uh, the depth of a person who is participating in it and, and the person who brings the offering and for his focus and his concentration and his understanding of what Hashem is trying to tell him.
0: Well, it's also believing it's also believing uh, in Hashem, if you were a, if I was a Kohen, I would be uh, it would be uh, almost requisite of me to consider the fact that if I have a blemish, it's because Hashem literally created me with another job in mind. It, just as you said, because everything is is under God's purview anyway, and that it's it's not uh, it's not because uh, as you said the person is anything less. It's for instance there. If you look at the, I liken it to the construction of the Mishkan and of the Beit Hamikdash, and that is that some materials were were created by Hashem to be used in the service of the temple. Certain timbers, certain elements like gold and silver. And so in that same way, certain people are created to function in, in the temple. And some, he wants to do something else. And the tendency
1: today, of course, is that every everybody has to be equal and everybody has to be told that they're exactly the same. And and the fact is, I think what the Torah is teaching us is every everyone is definitely equal in Hashem's eyes, but they're still different. And but you have a you have a different job, right? You know, uh, it, it, yeah, different doesn't mean they're not equal. It means that they're different. Just it's the same thing with men and women. Men and women are definitely equal. In fact, as as you know, and as we've spoken about, women are higher than uh, than men. Uh, so I don't know if you noticed, but on our program where we talked about the empowerment empowerment of women, uh, someone left a comment on YouTube. Um, I would I would really th- think that you should have some women in this discussion. Um, yeah I, I, I don't know if, 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 I don't know if that if that person even bothered listening to the program because the program was so I don't pro, know if pro women I don't know what the, what the, why they were picking a bone with us but like she said something like you know I think it would be nice if some women weighed in on this on this conversation so I, I didn't know what to do so I just wrote as a response well I learned everything I learned I learned from my wife <laughs> <Right>. so she's <laughs> exactly. the one that would have spoken anyway but uh
0: you know, I, I liken this, you know, we're talking about the fact that this is that Hashem creates us and with, with gifts. And excuse me for, you know, to our listeners who might think this is improper in the same vein. But I, I look at the, the one who brought me to Torah, uh, the late Vendel Jones. Here was a man who uh, who was colorblind and and people you could see people saying, wow, that's too bad. You know, well, first of all, I never heard him complain about it ever and secondly, it was that colorblindness that allowed him during the Six-Day War to pick out 67 gun emplacements of, of, of the enemies of Israel that the other soldiers couldn't see because they, because when he looked at the camouflage, he was able to tell it was not real foliage. And so there is, a, there is I think, a perfect example of what people would consider uh, an imperfection Yes, by any standard it would be, but it it was a gift that God gave him uh, that allowed him to save lives probably. Yes, that is
1: such an amazing story. I think he won a medal. I think he got a medal from the IDF for that service, I'm pretty sure. I don't know if he
0: had that. I know in uh, Time Magazine wrote wrote a a small paragraph about him, and uh, he— it's always an amazing story to me. It's also the same. Uh, the something people don't know about Vendel is that he was uh, one of his sons was uh, had renal failure failure, and 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 had to uh, have uh, that organ replaced. And they couldn't find a donor, and they and they and they found that Vendel had the correct blood type. And when they put him on the operating table, they found out that he was born with an extra pair of, of kidneys. Of, uh, of kidneys. Wow. And it, it, it turned out that it's a it's a, a medical condition that, that affects like 0.115% of the population. So anyway, he had an extra set. Uh, Just happened to have an extra set it. for his son. Just happened to have it. And, and in a way, you would call that a medical sort of reality. Imperfection, right. imperfection. And yet, there it was. It was a gift
1: again. Wow. so beautiful. Jim, after the whole uh, concept of uh, of the kohanim and and then we go on to to truma and some rules also regarding uh, the requ- requirements for the animals that are that are brought all of a sudden in the, in the middle of parshat amor we have a chapter chapter 23 which is basically the the main section of torah that details the cycle of the year yeah the festival the festival it's here in in leviticus 23 uh, it, the whole description of the calendars beginning with Hashem spoke to Moshe saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them the Hashem's appointed festivals that you are to designate as holy gatherings these are my appointed festivals it starts with Shabbat, it goes on to Pesach it goes on to the Omer and Shavuot and Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot and it's, it's really amazing and so since the Parshat Amor is the last section really in VaYikra that is going to be dealing with the rules of of the temple? And we just concluded now with these amazing ideas about the Kohanim that are serving. Why all of a sudden do we have here? Um, it's kind of like a divergence. It's, it's kind of like mm-hmm. a completely different. I have a, I have a theory about why why it's there.
0: If can I share it with you? please. Okay since we since we have the time uh it's it's amazing to me that every week that we study the Torah parsha you could literally it it it's a model of the DNA every Torah parsha literally in uh embedded in each Torah parsha every week is the whole Torah the the concept of what the Torah is teaching the the people of Israel and and by connection the world literally those principles are embedded in each Torah Parsha. And the completion of being taught the, uh, the, the the raising of the Mishkan, which is like the creation of the world, what does it finish with? It finishes with dealing with the people who minister in this world called the Mishkan. So just like creation, um, you have, you have the, the world, which is the Mishkan. And then what's the last thing that Hashem created? humanity was was mankind so that, that that this all goes along parallel with the creation of the world and so what is the thing that god does right after he creates man and finishes almost finishes he doesn't quite finish creation he he's he says he sanctifies he time the, he sanctifies time Shabbat. he sanctifies time and what are the festivals all about they're all about
1: the sanctification of time Jim, that is exactly how I look at this. I want you to know that I call it the space-time continuum. Yeah, because and this we have this so many examples of this in Torah that what the temple is in the realm of physical dimension of space, that's what these days are in time. It's all one thing. It's all one unit. It's about Sanctifying reality. And and again, and it fits in so perfectly with the beginning of the Parsha with the Kohanim, who have who are basically they are living in a separate reality, which is the true reality. In other words, the reality that we live in <laughs> is an yeah. illusion because we are subject to this debilitating illusion of death, which is not even true but yet because it is a physical death and we are in physical bodies so we, we we have that reaction right but they're but they're not involved in that right because they're because they're bringing the light in and they minister in the place of the Shekhinah, which is the source of eternal life so therefore they have to limit sustaining the, life exactly so they so they want to remove themselves from from death so how do we Bring that into our lives. In other words, there is a vision here. There, that the Hashem is sharing with us a vision for an uh, for an exalted, elevated level of life of reality, and we are in this dimension of space, and we are in dealing with we are subject, as it were, to the to the dimension of time, and and Hashem is saying through everything that goes on in the temple, you you you. Elevate the concept of space, you sanctify space, you sanctify the physical, you sanctify the world. And every day does not have to be a continuation of the previous. Every day you can strive for a new level, a new insight, a new connection to Hashem, to, for, to more light, to more holiness, to, to more of a reason to live, to more of a of a realization that the soul is eternal. All, all of these ideas that we spoke about. How? through the calendar because because every one of these appointed seasons these appointed times that hashem uh, that hashem branded into the reality of time is a device uh, by by which we can uplift ourselves from the man, the mundanity the lie of this false vision of reality it's it, i'm trying to say this space-time continuum in one sentence what the mikdash is Physically in the, in the plane of space, that's what the festivals and Shabbat is in the realm of time. It's the same thing. It's, it's one idea. Here it's refracted through, through the prism of space. And here is how it appears in time. But it's the same call of Hashem. The call is don't be stuck in what your, your eyes <clears throat> is telling you is what reality is. I'm the only true reality, eternal life. The truth of knowing who I am is the purpose of life, and this is the way to do it. it and and it, and through the sanctified space and through the sanctified time, we are free. We literally liberate ourselves from Pharaoh, from Amalek, all the things that we discussed. And so it's uh, the piece de resistance that it all is brought together with is... Is the second Passover, that's no wonder, no wonder it's this week, the week that it's not in this Parsha, but it's this week that we're reading, uh, that we're reading the Parsha because Hashem is giving us all the time a a chance to be liberated from the cycle of what we think reality is. But again, the beautiful idea about, about the second Passover is that he wanted it to be our idea because we have to, we have to be able to make the choice. We have to be able to, to realize that everything comes from our initiative yeah. And, and the, the remarkable
0: thing is that you, you just mentioned the aspect of how all of this sustains the people of Israel, the Jewish people. And I mention that because to show you God's gentle hand in history, um, the fact that, that that Israel still celebrates those festivals, those Hagim, is what has kept Israel I believe, modern Israel alive in the world today, and the fact that, that his gentle hand was there on these leaders who founded the modern state of Israel, who were not religious men. And yet, when the modern state of Israel was created, the holidays that were adopted as national holidays are all of these festivals and yet, they, yet they were they were made part of the the uh, the national um, observances, even though the men who put together the state of Israel were not what you would call observant Jews.
1: But yet they had a uh, flash of prophecy. Could you say they had mm-hmm. a they had Insight, a, yeah. a very strong sense of destiny? And I believe that they definitely were part of the process of redemption. Amen. Yeah. We still have to talk about the some amazing things at the end of the Torah portion, uh, specifically the concept of the blasphemer, but I don't think we're going to get to it. So I'll just mm-hmm. give a little teaser here for our uh, weekly video Torah lesson. Hopefully we'll be able to go further into some of these ideas, um, the end of the Parsha, the showbread and the blasphemer, where you need to talk about. I also want to remind all of our listeners about our weekly Zoom classes that are taking place uh, generally um, on Sunday, Uh, different time zones, but you can um, look see on Facebook and on our website, RabbiRichmond.com and Rabbi Chaim Richmond Facebook page, details for the schedule for our Zoom classes. This week we will be having the second part of uh, a Zoom meeting about Adam and Eve and the whole concept of the Tree of Knowledge, finding ourselves in the Garden of Eden. All previous uh, recordings of previous classes can be obtained easily by writing to rabbi at rabbirichmond.com and asking for a link to the recordings. And anybody who would like to participate in these meetings, feel free to write and I'll send you the Zoom meeting ID and password. And regarding the, the upcoming months, God willing, Jim, I really hope that when air travel becomes uh, possible again and uh, approved uh, by Israel and and starts to become feasible and open up. I hope to be coming back to the states for a um, teaching tour, and I do have some commitments that I had made for the month of June that I don't think are are going to happen for a couple of months. But yeah. any anyone that um, would like us to come to lecture in in your community, just let us know, and we can certainly try to work that out. Well, I really want to urge
0: everybody to tune into your. What I call your video, Parsha, because uh, one of the blessings that I see that of Hashem letting us do these podcasts is that we are, I call it purifying the air. and And that is that we're we're hopefully week to week, we are getting rid of these outdated concepts that have have brought so much negativity towards, the Torah and the misunderstandings and the show that it's not a book full of old, outdated, antiquated ideas, that it really is a book of life. And, and uh, I look forward to seeing uh, you talk about this idea of the blasphemer, because that really, really needs to be explained and, and, and opened up and, and shown that it's, as you said, you said this as we were talking earlier, it's really about mercy, God's mercy. And so I, I urge people to
1: to tune in and watch that on, on YouTube. And just a shout out to our listeners and to our viewers. Um, I have been blessed to really develop some beautiful relationships with some of the, our viewers and listeners that have been writing. And I encourage everyone to write who has any, any issues or questions that they'd like to discuss regarding... Torah observance, whether Jewish or non-Jewish, finding ourselves with Hashem in this world, the beauty of living life on a level of divine purpose and connecting with each other and the beauty the beauty of our lives. Uh, I'm very, very grateful and thankful to Hashem that I've been able to hook up with so many beautiful neshamot, so many beautiful souls that are really searching for truth, which is the whole idea of what Jerusalem Lights is really all about. So, I'm I'm really very very grateful to Hashem that He's allowed me to have this opportunity, to to be of service to the most beautiful souls that are really really striving for truth.
0: Well, thank you, and and uh, blessings and health to you and everyone in Eretz Israel, and to your family. And
1: uh, as always, I, I look forward to seeing you again next week. Amen. And to you, Jim. Safety and health to you and your family. All our listeners. Shalom.